Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at Whitehill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. Uh, It's from Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. It'll be up on the screen, but as well, they'll be going verse by verse through, so I'd encourage you to have your Bibles open as well as they come and share. So Colossians 4, verse 2 to 6 says, Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Thanks, Libby. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Thanks, Brad. How's everyone going tonight? Good. Thank you. Um, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. Sorry for sounding a bit funny. Um, Having a kid sneeze on you during um, holiday program does lead to you getting a little bit sick. So um, Julie and I have bought stocks in um, Codrill and we're good to go now. But um, I thought, seeing as you, uh, some of you might not know me, um, I thought I'd share something um, that I am really passionate about, and I am a huge fan of basketball. When I first started playing, I think I was um, around the prep age in primary school, um, and I was obsessed. When I was younger, I'd always have a ball in my hand, and I'd be dribbling around the house, um, throwing it to mum and dad, saying, think quick, as they're completely distracted by something else. Um, Or I'd be throwing the ball in the air, trying to shoot into a pretend basketball ring. Like I said, I was obsessed, and as I got older, I became more and more serious about it. I think at the peak of it all, I was playing or training about six times a week, um, and on some of those days, twice a day. Um, It became something um, that was a part of me, and I worshipped basketball. But obviously things have now changed. Um, I'm here tonight preaching in a place called Ipswich, a place that I didn't even know existed until eight months ago. But what I worship now and where my heart posture is now is in a very different place. Instead of basketball, it's now God. Instead of uh, training, it's now um, prayer. And instead of opportunities to be in the top team, it's now opportunities to share the gospel. The passage read out to us just before shows us that prayer fuels effective mission. And this mission is one of sharing the gospel and making disciples, and it was set for all to partake in. And just like those trainings fueled opportunities to be in the top team, prayer is the thing that fuels effective mission. Mission that you and I are called to. In the previous verses, Paul has called us to die to the old self and to step into a new creation in Christ. And it is with this heart that he continues to provide further instructions, which we find in chapter 4. Paul first speaks about opportunity, and opportunity that is grounded and fueled by prayer. In verse 2 we read, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In light of what Paul has just spoken about, 
redefining worship in terms of leading a Christ-centered life. The call to act in a prayerful way makes sense as Paul isn't focusing on one's actual prayer, but is actually defining one's entire existence. This new self has a now, now has a posture of worship and an existence of prayerful alertness. The same way that I used to worship basketball and it became my posture, it became a part of who I was, Paul calls us to a devout posture of prayer. And this imperative word devote tells us that we should be doing this in all circumstances and to carry a sense of perseverance. And at the time of writing this, Paul was in prison in Rome, in chains, and with the reputation that he had at the time, um, he, there was a high level of security with people actually being chained to him. But as he writes this sitting in prison in what would have been some pretty horrible conditions, he isn't merely asking God to change his circumstances or to get him out of prison, but he's praying that God would give him an opportunity to share the gospel. Paul's prayers would have sounded more like, God, please bring another man in here to be chained to me so that I can share the message with them. See, Paul didn't think that prayer was simply an act of presenting your personal desires and wishes to God, but rather it is a way for people to participate in the unfolding of God's redemptive plan for his creation. Paul then tells us that we should be watchful and thankful in this devout prayer, and the word for watchful or alert in the Greek is Gregorio. Can you guys say that? Oh, come on, a bit better than that. Great. Now, this type of alertness appears in other sections of scripture, often in an eschatological context, which basically just means um, second coming of Jesus or um, end times context. And this alertness isn't necessarily speaking about keeping your eyes peeled for when Jesus returns, but actually an alertness of the temptations around us and to be aware not to fall into them. As we've learned over the past few weeks, the Colossian church was facing a lot of uh, threats from false teaching and there were a lot of temptations around them. Similar to the world we live in now, with culture telling us to go find our own truth and a plethora of other false teachings. We are being reminded to be alert and aware of these things and to prayerfully ask the Holy Spirit to guide us through this. And instead of passively being alert in anticipation of Christ's return, Paul is pleading with believers to recognize the urgency of this eschatological or end times moment. He's calling us to participate with him and his co-workers in the mission that is to unfold before Christ's return. Which leads us on to verse three, where Paul continues to say, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. See, Paul's focus is on the continuous growth of the word. He's asking for prayer in faith that God will open doors of opportunity to share the gospel and make disciples. And he's not just praying for opportunity, but he's actually praying for that opportunity to be made effective, for these opportunities to actually have impact and be effective in the life of the receiver. That this opportunity would lend to the receiver not just hearing facts about a guy named Jesus who lived over 2,000 years ago, but for that person to actually come to know who Jesus is, not just in their head, but in their heart too. Paul is also praying that this opportunity would be made effective in terms of how the gospel is presented. 
that he and his co-workers would be able to effectively communicate the message that has been given to them. Now, the NIV translation um, says, our message, which doesn't mean the message that Paul has just come up with himself thinking that the Colossians need to hear, but um, actually the message that has been given to him through Jesus. Other translations have a more literal translation saying the word, but here Paul has just continued that personified language that he has previously used. But the message is still the same. Paul is exemplifying that prayer fuels effective mission, and he's not just telling us that, but he is showing us too. So as Paul has given his example to us, let us partake in praying for effective mission. Hopefully you all received a prayer card as you walked in tonight, and if you didn't, that's okay, you're welcome to raise your hand, and I'm sure some people can pass some around. And if you're joining us online, you're welcome to grab a piece of paper or a notepad, but in this time, I just ask that you would boldly write a prayer um, to God um, for him to open a door for you to effectively partner with him in sharing the gospel. There might be a neighbour, a co-worker, a friend or even a family member that you could be praying for in having the opportunity to effectively share the good news of Jesus with. There'll be some music playing in a moment and you can take the time to reflect and pray um, and soon Josh will come and join us to continue unpacking the passage. Now, as you all finish up with your little, didn't need a clap just yet, <laughs> as you finish up with those reflective prayers, I'm going to follow on from where Willow has left off and talk a little bit about um, that heart posture and a little bit about praying for boldness as we look at these next couple of verses in quite the unique sort of setup that we have for you today. So looking at this next part of the passage, uh, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. So when I read this, one thing stands out to me immediately, and it's that Paul's imprisonment is like a side note to him. It's all, you know, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Now, I don't know about you, but if that were me, I would probably do it a little bit the other way around. I'm pretty sure my focus would be all about my imprisonment 
It would probably be some sort of heroic story about exactly what got me there and how impressive it was that I stood for what I believed in and how much prison sucks and you should all be praying for me because it's just the worst. Uh, Not what Paul does here. See, Paul, he focuses, as he has throughout all of Colossians, first and foremost on Christ, despite the circumstances. So what's Paul thinking here? What does this teach us about Paul? Well, it's actually got less to do with Paul and more to do with who he's talking about. It's more about Jesus. So Paul understands that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he was resurrected for us. It's Paul's knowledge of Jesus' sacrifice that he came to redeem each and every one of us and wash us clean of our sins. It's this knowledge and it's this understanding that actually drives Paul to pray, first and foremost, for boldness so that he can continue to witness despite the circumstances, even though he finds himself in prison. Now, this certainly isn't the only time that the early church finds themselves in this kind of hot water. Um, One of the earliest examples of this kind of persecution is found in Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John are responding to a very similar situation with a very similar prayer. We'll read it now. It's from Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Now, in both of these examples we find that instead, as Willow highlighted, instead of praying for the circumstances to be changed, instead of praying to God to remove the obstacles, Paul, Peter, and John all pray a very different prayer. See, they pray for the boldness that they need to witness and not for a wish list to solve all of their problems. It probably wouldn't be that outrageous, right? Maybe it goes something like this. God, you know, I've been doing your good work. I've been serving you as much as I can. And somehow, you know, I've ended up in prison. Surely this isn't your plan for me. Can you just like get on that and fix it, sort it out for me? I'll get right back to doing whatever it is you want me to do. But none of these men pray that prayer. They pray, first and foremost, for the boldness that they need to continue to witness, no matter the circumstances or the pressure, because each of them knew that prayer fuels effective mission. And if you're looking for an example of an effective mission, Paul is a pretty good place to look. So usually somewhere here, I'd give some relatable story that helps us to connect about, you know, my own prison time or something along those lines. But partly due to time and also because I don't have an amazing prison story, alas, uh, we're just going to have to be left with that terrible joke and move on. Um, But in lieu of having a relatable story, you might be kind of thinking, well, I'm not going to find myself in prison. We don't kind of have that sort of level of persecution here. Where is the connection? Like... What does this mean for me specifically? And this is where we actually have to look at the heart. 
See, if we look specifically at what Paul is saying here, he says, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, at first glance, this sounds like, and it is, it's an invitation to pray for your leaders, and it's important that we be praying for each other. But this isn't all Paul is trying to say. He's not simply concerned with everyone sending him best wishes and just focusing on what he's doing. He's actually giving us an example. See, Paul is praying for boldness, but where is he doing it from? He's literally in prison for sharing boldly and proclaiming the mystery of Christ, exactly what he's praying for. And so if there were anyone who is probably qualified to skip that part of the prayer and pray for something else, it would probably be Paul. But he doesn't. Even from his prison cell, he's praying for more boldness so that he may witness wherever an opportunity presents itself. And this is an example for each of us because I don't think it would take any of us very long to find an example, if we're honest with ourselves, where we might have needed a little bit more boldness. Maybe it's your friend who doesn't know God and asks you a really interesting question. And in your heart, you have a life-giving response that you want to share with them. But you think about it a little bit, you hesitate, you worry. You think, how will this change my relationship with them going forward? And in the end, you convince yourself not to say much of anything, and your response is generic and you don't really believe in it. Maybe there's a friend who you haven't seen in a long time and you haven't really kept in touch with, but you've come across them and they're really not having a good time. They're struggling and you know that they are. And in your heart, you want to reach out to them, you want to comfort them, you want to come alongside them, you want to share that you are there for them. But once again, you worry, you get nervous, you think, isn't this just going to come out of nowhere? Won't it be awkward? Won't it be weird? We don't really have that kind of relationship anymore. It's in these moments that Paul's example is so vital for us. It's in these moments that we need to be praying for that boldness. And it's in these moments that we need to be thinking of Paul. Because as Paul shows us, Prayer fuels effective mission. So thus far, we've had Willow share about the opportunities that prayer presents us. And we've also shared a little bit about the boldness that we always need to be praying for. And now, finally, we're going to have Libby, not Willow. I almost followed Brad's lead there and swapped them all around. We're going to have Livy come up and share with us the last couple of verses. Hello. So as we've been talking about tonight, prayer is so important. 
because prayer fuels effective mission. We need to be praying for opportunities. We need to be praying for boldness. And that brings us to the final point this evening. We need to be praying for empowerment. We need to be praying for empowerment. Specifically, we need prayer for the Holy Spirit to be, to be empowering us to be effective in our mission. In this passage we've been looking at tonight, Paul calls us to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. Make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. And this approach to having these conversations with people who don't know the gospel comes from being empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. So you want to know something strange about me? I absolutely love salt. I'm a bit of a salt-obsessed person. In my opinion, it's not really a meal without salt on my food. It just adds flavour to it. It makes it so much better. Not to say it wasn't good in the first place, unless, you know, mum or myself was cooking it, but it just, add, it just adds that in flavour enhancement so much better. So heads up, guys, if you ever have me over for dinner, make sure there is salt on the table. And please, 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 do not make me ask for it. Don't make me be awkward and have to ask. Won't appreciate that. But, you know, I will for the sake of the salt. And you might be thinking, well, why on earth is she talking about salt? What on earth does that have to do with prayer and mission? Maybe she's had a bit too much salt on her food. No, it has to do with the fact that Paul calls us to let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Now, this idea of season of salt often is used a lot in the Bible with a lot of um, confusion around it. So for our conversations to be seasoned with salt, we need that flavour in the way we speak. We need that strong passion driving our conversations. Or, as the Greek and Latin authors suggest, we need that pungency and wittiness within our speech. But in order for these conversations to occur, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to know how to answer and to respond to people. I might just say that again. But for these conversations to occur, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to know how to answer and respond to people. We need that fresh and spiritual wittiness and earnest in our conversations. And you know what? This is also what we should desire in conversations. We should want to bring about this attitude and enlightenment in this way, being full of grace, seasoned with salt, Yet so often our conversations aren't. So often we don't rely on the empowerment that comes from prayer. It often is our, not even our second thought or our first thought. It's often our last, and really it should be our first. The, this empowerment and new outlook within conversations that we so desperately need comes from praying to the Holy Spirit to empower us. We need prayer for empowerment because our strength alone is not enough. We can't do it on our own strength. It just won't happen. We aren't, you see, we aren't seeking enough opportunities. We aren't being bold when it comes to sharing the gospel and making disciples, which, after all, is our mission. You see, we can't do this alone. And you know what? We don't have to. You see, this strength, these opportunities, and this boldness that we so need for conversations comes from the Holy Spirit empowering us. And you can ask through that with prayer.
Because through praying, we can change those things that alone we cannot do. Instead, we can be supported by the Holy Spirit and we can be empowered by them. You see, through praying, we can pray for the Holy Spirit to empower us, to provide us opportunities, to provide us the boldness that we so need and to empower us to share the gospel and make disciples and to fulfill our mission. You see, we as a church, we recognize the power that prayer has. That's why last Saturday before the kids event, we had a prayer meeting on. That's why we have our prayer corner at the back after services, which I totally recommend using. For the online viewers, we have our website where you can go and send online prayer requests. We have these things. Our services contain prayer because we see a need for it. You see, we see it fueling our mission and we want you to be a part of this mission. We want your prayers to fuel our mission, but more importantly, we want your prayers to fuel your mission. So don't just sit in those, Sunday, those chairs each Sunday just rocking up to church and saying, oh yeah, ticked my activity off for the week. But you know what? Be active. Be prayerful because your mission and your church needs it. So I challenge you here tonight, each one of you, pray for opportunities like Willow was talking about. Pray for the boldness like Josh was talking about and pray for the empowerment that can come from the Holy Spirit. And don't just feel empowered, but be empowered. You might think, oh, it's just one word. It's not real difference. But feeling and being empowered is. So challenge you tonight, be empowered. Because after all, prayer fuels effective mission. So now let's pray to God to help us step into everything we've been talking about tonight. Lord, I just want to pray. I want to pray for your mission that you call us to do. Lord, I want to pray as we share the gospel and make disciples, Lord. We're remembering why we're doing it, Lord. You call us to and you give us this mission. Lord, we want to fulfill this, but we know our strength alone is not enough. Lord, tonight we pray for opportunities. We think of those people we wrote down on those cards or might yet still not have written down. We just pray for those people and those opportunities, the ones we know and the ones we don't know. Lord, we pray for boldness. Lord, we just, so often we don't be bold in the way we share the gospel. Lord, but tonight I just pray for this boldness. Lord, and we want to be praying for empowerment. Lord, not just to feel empowered, but to be empowered, Lord. We want to be empowered, and we know that comes from the Holy Spirit empowering us. So, Lord, we want to pray for our mission, your mission. We want to recognize the power that prayer has. We want prayer to be fueling our effective missions. So, Lord, just pray for the opportunities, the boldness, and the empowerment that's still yet to come. Amen. They do such a great job unpacking that. So good. It really has, it's been a joy to be working with these guys um, this year. And I thought, yeah, that was an incredible way to unpack and just to understand more about what Paul's heart is there for prayer and to be challenged in that. So um, as Libby mentioned, we have lots of opportunities here at Whitehill for you to engage with prayer and to be prayed for. And one of those um, is the fact that we have a prayer corner up the back. So after the service, um, when everything's finished, 
some of our pastors and leaders will be over there and willing to pray for you and encourage you in this journey. So um, as Josh shared as well as he talked about, sometimes there's a fear or a lack of confidence um, or an uncertainty that comes over us in sharing our faith. If you want prayer for that to be uh, filled with all the things that have been spoken tonight, I encourage you uh, to use that space at the end of the service. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.